Well, some of you, and I don't have many copies of this, so uh, some of you asked that I print you out the things I went over Sunday night. I did that. And so whoever asked, I'll have those out back there with me, and then whatever's left, anybody else can take if you want one. Sunday uh, is going to be a, a special day for my family and myself. I, I will not see you Sunday. I'm, I'm sorry about that. I uh, had an obligation that I made way back last year to speak at a homecoming in Manchester. So I'm going to be over in Clay County. They fight in Clay County. So y'all pray for me. Yeah. Uh, the first full-time ministry I served in was as associate pastor of Horse Creek Baptist Church in Clay County. You know about Horse Creek, don't you? That's where the Lord said, you told me that. And so I, I served there at Horse Creek uh, as I was finishing up uh, my schooling at Cumberland College back in the day. And uh, so they've invited me to come back and speak at their homecoming service. So I have to do that Sunday morning. It's obligation again I made last year. And then Sunday night, uh, there's a crusade. It's uh, Hope for Lake Cumberland, anchored Hope for Lake Cumberland crusade that will be taking place. A lot of the area churches around Somerset are coming together to have it Sunday night at Pulaski County High School. And I will be speaking at that uh, to share uh, a testimony about my son's life and everything. And a great evangelist by the name of Clayton King will be there Sunday night to speak. And so consulted with our deacons and just want to let you know about that. If any of you want to come, uh, come and, and join the service that night, but there will be a service here as well. Uh, Brother Randy McFerrin will be here with you Sunday morning. Then Brother Luther Allen will be here to speak Sunday night. And I told Luther that there may be some folks uh, that choose to go to this. So he understands that and he knows that, that that might take place. I'm not, um, I'm not encouraging you to do one or the other. It won't offend me. Uh, whatever you, you choose to do, just know that. But I just wanted to let you know about this. Some of you knew already. In fact, a couple of you asked about it because you'd heard about the crusade. So it's Sunday night. It starts at 6.30 in the gymnasium at Pulaski County High School in Somerset. So I brought a few of those flyers. If you want to just pick one up for informational purposes, I'll have those back there with me as well. So I just want to let you uh, in on that, know about that. And um, if I see some of you Sunday night, uh, that'd be great. If not, I know you'll have a great service here with Brother Luther. Who has good news to share? Amanda already told me she had no good news, but I don't believe it. Yeah, well, now look, Amanda, I came to you a moment ago, and I said, tell me something good, and you said, I don't know anything good, but I believe you do. I believe you do. Somebody, yes. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, that's, you know, always 
relief as far as advertisements and that kind of thing. Mr. Joe? Amen. Praise the Lord for Noah and Zeke's uh, surgeries both coming out well yesterday. Who else? Yes. Okay. 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 Amen. Anyone else? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. All right, Amanda, we'll remember those. Who else wants to brag on God tonight? Good news. Dwayne is? Amen. Praise the Lord. We've been praying for Dwayne. Anyone else? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Those of us out of school, we're thankful that we don't take those tests anymore, right? I try to remember that with the, the classes that, that I teach. You know, I, I want to be gracious and try to remember what it was like being in their shoes because I had professors that weren't that way. I mean, especially... Did you ever have those of you that, that studied like that? Did you ever have a professor that was uh, working on finishing his or her doctorate, or one that just finished one? They are the worst kind. Yeah, yeah, they're in the middle of all of that, and they want to take it out on everybody. All right, who else? Oh yeah. Amen. You'll be thankful when it's over with. That's good. Anyone else? Okay. Going to Moorhead, going to be an eagle. All right. Who else? I'm going to give you three very quickly. Um, Most people know it, but I'm going to be a great uncle. So my little niece is expecting, and um, we're excited about that as a family. She's our only girl. You know, God gave me two boys, and I have a nephew, and so my niece is my girl. And so I'm excited about that. Our whole family is just 
uh, continue to pray for her as she uh, endures the next several months. Uh, This morning, I got to speak at Pulaski Elementary School. Um, There's a little girl there that is a member of High Street Baptist in Somerset that has started uh, a student-led prayer time, and she uh, wanted me to come and, and share with them and bring some of Andrew's stuff, and we took his letter jacket and some pictures and showed them, the kids, the video that I showed you back a couple weeks ago, and um, one little girl, when she left, you know, she was pretty emotional. A- Andrew was a lifeguard at the water park in Somerset. That's how he, he uh, spent summers after he'd get out of football practice. And so this little girl was uh, telling me about something nice that Drew did for her. Uh, she had she had gotten there, and uh, if I heard her correctly, she had lost her wallet. And she was with other friends that bought their lunch there, and she didn't have any money for lunch, and Drew Mann brought, bought her lunch for her. And so she was so sweet to share that this morning, and obviously does my heart a lot of good hear stories like that. There was another one I wanted to tell you about, something good. All right, it's gone. Maybe it'll be like the slow train, and if it passes back by, I'll hop on board and tell you all about it. There's another one, but maybe it'll come. Let's, let's bow our heads together, and we'll use our Acts model of praying, and I'll just suggest these things. Some of you that have been along with me on Wednesday nights, you kind of know how this goes, but I will make those suggestions just to help you. Let's begin with A, adoration. We praise God, not for just everything He does for us, but just for who He is. Glorify Him for a moment as you pray. We'll take a moment to confess. If you have anything you need to tell the Lord about and confess to Him, take the time to do that. Let's move into a moment of thanksgiving. Take a moment and just thank God for your many blessings.
S for supplication. That means we're praying and asking God to do things that we need Him to do, that only He can do in our lives and in the lives of others. Lord, we praise you tonight for being so good to us, for being the great God of glory, for being our Father, for being our forgiver, for being our all in all. Thank you, Lord, for being a God who reveals yourself to us and is so active in our lives. Father, it's been so good, as it always is, to come in on a Wednesday night to be with our faith family here at Bible Baptist. Thank you, Lord, for the reports, the testimonies of your greatness and goodness in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for those who have reported uh, better health and uh, safe surgeries and healing in that regard. Thank you, Lord, for uh, one who will be married, one who, Father, did well on the exam. God, you're so good, and we just stand in awe of you tonight. Lord, as we continue to study the prayer that Jesus gave us, the model prayer, thank you for what we've experienced as we've looked at it together over the last few weeks, and we thank you in advance uh, for how our hearts, Lord, will be Lift it up as we encounter your word tonight. Lord, whatever we study from your word, it's always a blessing to do that. And we praise you for it tonight. Lord, I thank you for each person here, for each family represented. I thank you, Father, for other ministries that are going on, Lord, over in the other building. And for those leaders over there, just pray, Father, that you bless us all together in this place tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The train came back around and I jumped on it. I remember. Here it is. And this one is confidential, okay? It's just between us uh, because I don't think I'm supposed to say anything quite yet. But I'm going to tell you because I'm excited about it. Um, My oldest son is a senior uh, in Bible college, so that means he's winding down his next last semester, and for over a year now, he has uh, been a paid intern at First Baptist Church in Barberville, Bar- as they say, Barville, Barville, I can't hardly say it like they do, but he, he has been there, great church, wonderful church, and uh, they, they have reached out to him to talk about further things when he graduates in May. So we're, we're excited about that. If that's the Lord's will, they'll discover that together and work through all that. But uh, he loves that church. He, he has uh, grown there and uh, would love to continue to serve there if that's the way the Lord leads. So that's just exciting news and 
y'all can be praying with us about that. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 6. We're looking at the model prayer, the disciples' prayer, a pattern for our own prayer lives. I think over the years that we have mislabeled this as the Lord's Prayer, I think the prayer that Jesus prays at the end of the Upper Room Discourse in John 17 is really the Lord's Prayer, but this is the Disciples' Prayer. This is the model prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. I just will remind you of a couple things very, very quickly. Uh, In the parallel passage in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus repeats this, and he does so in response to a request by the disciples that simply asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. And so he gives them this same pattern in that regard. And then I would also mention those first few words of verse 9, after this manner, therefore pray ye. In other words, Jesus says, use this as a pattern. Again, it's not that we need to exactly repeat these words, although they are beautiful words to repeat. I love to hear it sung, don't you? The Lord's Prayer, you know, as it's set to music, beautiful uh, song to sing, and so it's, it's beautiful. The words are gorgeous, but the power in this, I remind you again, is not just in these words per se, but it's in using these words to inform our prayer lives as we pray without ceasing. So let's say it together, and remember when we get down to verse 12, instead of trespasses, uh, we will use the word debts. All right, here we go. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Can I teach you a little trick? I always when I got down to kingdom, power, glory, I could never for a long time remember the order there. I'd want to say power, glory, kingdom. Kingdom comes first, and because he is the king of the kingdom, he has the power, and because he's a king with power, his is the glory. So that just helps me lock that in. I didn't intend to say that tonight, but I throw it out there for you nonetheless. Tonight, I I think we're going to be able to look at verses 11 and 12 together in, in one study. Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. When Jesus leads us in that pattern of verse 11 about praying for daily bread, not a trick question here and don't overthink it, What is he teaching us to pray for? Give us this day our daily bread. 
Yeah, sustenance, manna. That's right. Uh, I love the thought of manna there. In fact, some Bibles, if you have study notes, I know that a lot of those who write these study notes like to refer you back to manna in the book of Exodus. What was manna? Bread from heaven. You're right, Amanda. Bread that God supernaturally gave his people as they had engaged their wilderness wanderings. They were without food. They were hungry. And to make it, literally to survive, God gave them supernatural bread. And it was good bread, although they got tired of it, didn't they? They ultimately complained about the bread that God gave them. And sometimes we might do the same thing in a lot of aspects. But um, they liked it a lot at first because it, it was a tasty bread that seemed to be seasoned with honey. That's what Scripture says in Exodus, that it had this honey taste to it. And God gave that to them. They didn't do much to earn it. And there's a real lesson in the manna, and I won't get bogged down in that story from Exodus, but do you recall what was the portion, how much manna were the people to scoop up from the ground when God gave it? That's right. Enough for the living of the day. They weren't to be greedy. They couldn't hoard it. What would happen if they tried to keep it? Yeah, it would spoil. It would contaminate and they couldn't eat it anyway. And so even all the way back in the book of Exodus, the Lord is teaching His people to get from Him their needs. And I'll say more about that for in just a moment. God says, take your need, not more than you need. Don't try to hoard it because it'll be there the next day. And God was faithful. God continued to give it to them. And ultimately, when they started complaining about that, God would give them meat from birds. And then even when they ran into places where the water was scarce and non-existent, God would give them the supply they needed of water. And so whatever the need was, God would give it to his people. And so you're right. When we read, give us this day our daily bread, when we quote that, (coughs) it is a reference to literal bread A lot of different Bible scholars over the years have tried to make this into more than it is. Some have allegorized it and have said, well, you know, in such a glorious, word-rich prayer as this, Jesus wouldn't be talking about just everyday, mundane bread. And so some have said he was talking about Jesus as being the living bread, others say that this is a prayer regarding communion or the Lord's Supper or Jesus, you know, being the bread of life. But that's not the case here. God is teaching us to pray for 
our needs. D.A. Carson said this, he said, The prayer is for our needs and not our greeds. It is for one day at a time reflecting the precarious lifestyle of so many first century workers who were paid one day at a time and for whom a few days' illness could spell tragedy. In other words, Jesus is teaching us to rely on him for our needs. And so it's something we should remember as we pray. If you have a need, a true need in your life, you ought to pray about that need. God cares about the normal, everyday stuff. Don't ever forget that. There is nothing in your life that you truly need that you ought to think, well, God, he can't concern himself with this little need. I'll go back to what what we looked at or at least mentioned last time when Jesus taught us to not be anxious, not be worried, and he told us to look at the birds and how they are fed, that the Father takes care of them. Thank you, Mr. Hank. See, God takes care of your needs. He puts Hank on the run. Mm -hmm. It helps. He takes care of the birds. He takes care of the flowers. And those are just normal, everyday things. And, And God also takes care of our needs. I'm going to stop here and ask for a testimony. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed something and you needed it really badly and you prayed about it and God delivered? Does anybody have a testimony you want to share about that? Amen. Amen. I'll tell you one that has to do actually with my son again um, when he was a baby and we were pastoring and had had some expenses that we weren't planning on having that we didn't know were coming up. It just kind of came and it blindsided us. And I remember... Amy taking the last scoop of formula that that little baby boy needed and making the last bottle. And payday was about a week off. And can I tell you that, and I'm not saying this is the right thing. I think sometimes we have not because we ask not. And I think a part of asking is when you get in a bad place to ask, the people in your life for a little help. I, I can't do that. You know, I've just always, I was taught to uh, manage your money, make good decisions, and when you find yourself in a hole, do everything you can do to dig yourself out. That That's me, and I suspect most of us in the room were, were taught like that. Of course, my parents, Amy's parents would have died if they had known we were in that situation. And honestly, we've not 
God has been so good to us. And we, we've really never, outside of that one little streak, I would say, in our lives, we've, we've never really been in a situation like that. But we were at that point. Um, and I just prayed. I said, Lord, uh, this bottle is going to be fed to this baby boy and I don't I can't go buy another can of formula right now. I, I won't be able to do that till next week. I went that was in the morning. I didn't tell you that part. I went to my office and a lady came by with a can of formula. Andrew's formula. And she said, I don't know why I'm bringing this because I know y'all have what you need. I'm like, <laughs> if you only knew. And, and she stepped in and she said, all I know to tell you is that it was in my, on my heart to help you feed that baby and, and here's this formula. Folks, God cares. And God delivers. He doesn't give us necessarily uh, everything we ask for because sometimes we ask for foolish things. But when we have true, honest needs in our lives, does He not supply and provide? He always does. And so Jesus teaches us here, pray about your needs. Speaking of needs, Jesus moves from teaching us to pray about our daily bread to teaching us to pray about the biggest area of our lives where we need a touch and we need supply from Him, and that is in the area of forgiveness. So I want you to look again at verse 12, what it says to us. We pray for our daily needs, but then we pray, Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, I ask you the question, what's he talking about here? You were really good a moment ago. You said our daily bread, our sustenance, our manna. When he talks about debtors here and the debt we owe, uh, is it the mortgage No, it's a lot worse than a mortgage. What is it? We are in debt to God because of our sin problem. And Jesus says we ought to pray, Lord, forgive us our debts. Absolve us from our sins as we forgive those who are debtors to us. Jesus just had to do it, didn't he? You know, he just had in this prayer, after talking about our great need for forgiveness and asking God for it, he had to throw it in there that as we ask God for our personal forgiveness, we better be willing to do what? To forgive others. And that's where I want us to spend the bulk of time in this study tonight. Uh, Sin, again, represented here as the notion of debt. Uh, Our sin is a debt. And we're thankful tonight that our sin was taken care of by our Savior on the cross. 
Now, I want to be very clear about what Jesus is teaching us here. Jesus is not teaching us that we have to continue to come to him and and ask for salvation. Because which sins did Christ pay for when he went to the cross? Yes, he paid for all of our sins. So the moment we come to him and ask him for cleansing, for redemption, for salvation, the good news is Jesus has already died for all of those sins, and when we ask him to forgive us, Jesus' blood is sufficient for sins past, present, and future. Excuse me as I get another drink. It's rough on me tonight. So, all sins. (coughs) I'm so sorry. All sins uh, are absolved the moment we come to Him and we ask for forgiveness. But do we continue to sin? We try not to. We don't want to. But the fact of the matter is, we're sinners saved by grace. That's what we are. I'll take you back. I mentioned it just very briefly the other night. But we are justified, being sanctified, and will be glorified. Justified at the moment of salvation. Sanctified through discipleship. Glorified when we enter into eternity, whether that's through death or the rapture and the second coming of Christ. However we enter eternity, that's the moment when we become perfect. We sing a little song in church, He's Still Working on Me. When we sung it, we'd say, To make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, sun and the earth, Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be, for he's still working on me. Y'all remember that little song? Beautiful song, and it's so true. Because God is a God of grace and love, he puts up with us. (laughs) And he continues to model us and make us more into the image of Christ. That's discipleship, and he does it. This is a beautiful thing about God because God doesn't see us for what we were or even what we are. God sees us for what we'll be. He sees us complete in Him and glorified. And so He continues to work with us even though uh, we're forgiven, we still make mistakes, we still sin, And here's the thing, it's not that we need to continue to come back to God and ask for salvation all over again, but the idea is we need to confess. When we have sin in our lives, we need to confess that sin because we don't want it to stay there. We don't want it to interfere in our relationship with God. So as we come back to the Lord in prayer... That's what we do. We say, God, thank you that you forgave me all the way back when, but I'm going to confess right now that I've been a pretty bad boy today. 
I thought things I shouldn't have thought, and a couple times I said stuff I shouldn't have said. And I just confess that to you. And, and it's a beautiful thing what God does for us. He releases the heaviness of that, the debt of that, when we confess. Uh, I was not the perfect father. But I can tell you this, one of the things I tried to do with my boys would be when I knew they were guilty, when I knew they had done it, if I could just lead them up to a moment when they saw their guilt and acknowledged it and just confessed it, just confessed it, then it was over. Now, the problem was getting them up to that moment of confession. That's just the human nature, isn't it? Our nature is to do what? Is to hide, to compress, to say, uh-uh, wasn't me. Uh, you know, I, I didn't get into the candy bar I wasn't supposed to have when the chocolate's all over the face. So I always tried to help them learn to just confess. There's a lot of things that go a whole lot better in life if when you've blown it and you know you've blown it, just to go to whoever that you've blown it with and confess. And that's what Jesus is teaching us here. Confess when we've messed up, bring it back to Him and confess And we can be people who expect forgiveness because that is the nature of God. This goes all the way back to praying in His name. Lord, hallowed be Thy name. And we talked about what all the name of God represented. And part of that is love and mercy. That God releases us when we just confess But then, as I said a moment ago, Jesus goes on and he says, you know, if you're going to pray for God to release you from your debts, you need to release others from their debts. You need to forgive. Forgiveness is a hard thing for most people. Let's just be honest about it. We carry grudges, we don't forget things, we hold on to those things. I remember my dad when he actually pastored right here in this county. He was out just making some regular pastoral visits and he went to visit with this lady and she began to talk to him about what somebody in that church had done to her. And in vivid detail, she told him all about it. I mean, down to the minutia, down to the fine print. And Dad said that his heart just kind of sunk because, you know, when there's a church problem and animosity and unforgiveness in the church, that's a pastor's nightmare. And he just sat there and he thought, oh no, here's, here's a problem we're going to have to deal with. And then he called the lady's name with whom he was visiting and, and he asked her, now, when did this happen? 
and without a beat, without missing a beat, she looked my dad in the eye and she said, 1949. And this was mid-80s. Oh, no, excuse me, early 80s. 1949. She had held that since 1949. It's like the farmer that was out plowing his rows with the mule, you know, you've seen how they can do that. And the guy came up and began to watch him. And when he got down to the end of the row, if he needed to go back to the left, he would yank and tug and pull as hard as he could on the reins to make that mule turn around and start plowing back the other direction. He'd get to the end of that row. He'd do the same thing. He'd pull and tug and use all of his might to get the mule to turn around, do the 180 and go back the other direction. The guy watched that for a while and he said, Sir, I, I hate to interrupt you, but I've used mules before and they're smarter than you think they are. If you'll teach that mule the terms G and haw, you can speak G or haw to that mule and he'll know to turn one direction or the other. The guy stopped him and said, Listen, my mule knows G and haw, but he kicked me three years ago and I haven't forgiven and spoken to him since. <laughs> That's our nature. Some of you are familiar with the great Christian writer C.S. Lewis. Um, you, you probably at least know The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Lewis wrote a book that has been seminal, I would say, in my life that was entitled Mere Christianity. And Lewis writes something in that that, that has made me think a lot over the course of my life since he read it. And I want you to just listen to what he wrote. He said, To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Let me repeat that. Lewis said, To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. What somebody has done to hurt you and hurt you badly, to be a Christian is to forgive that because God has done the same for you. So brothers and sisters, when we pray... What Jesus is teaching us here, again, He's saying, in this manner pray, about these things pray, as you forgive me, Lord, help me to be someone who forgives others. Let me just remind you quickly that it's a recurring theme in the New Testament over and over and over again. Numerous times the New Testament writers encourage us to be people who forgive others. Probably one of the strongest is the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4.32 where he writes, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. And then he adds this disclaimer, As God in Christ forgave you. Now that's a big qualifier, isn't it? He doesn't just say, forgive, get along. But he says, you need to forgive others as God in Jesus has forgiven you. 
which begs the question, how has God forgiven us in Jesus? Amen, completely. What else comes to mind? How has God forgiven us in Jesus? Completely again, from the east to the west. Let me give you five quick things. First of all, the Lord holds back His anger a long time before we're reconciled to Him. So that comes a little bit before forgiveness, but it certainly has to do with that aspect of forgiving others the way God has forgiven us. God holds back His anger from us for a long time before we make things right with Him. Isn't that just true? That's part of His grace, and the flip side of grace is always mercy. You can't think about grace without thinking about mercy. God holds back His anger. Can you imagine what it would be like if God zapped us immediately every time we did something bad? I mean, it would be, it'd be horrible. But He doesn't do that because He's patient. He's patient with us. The second thing I would mention is that He makes the first move. He initiated our forgiveness when we were unconcerned about it. (laughs) Jesus Christ is the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Which means what? God was providing the means for our forgiveness before even Adam and Eve were created. He knows all things. In His omniscience, He knew that we would come along when we came along and He made provision for the forgiveness of our sins long ago. So, what does that say to us? If we're to forgive others the way that God has forgiven us in Jesus, maybe we ought to think about it before we're ever put in the position to need to forgive. In other words, probably would do some of us some good to pray, Lord, soften my heart. Lord, make me quick to forgive. Make me have a heart like yours so that in the future when I need to forgive, I'll be ready to forgive. See, God made the first move. He was ready to forgive before we ever asked His forgiveness. Number three, His forgiveness. In it, He bore the penalty of all the wrong we've done against Him. The penalty for all of it. He, as we sing in the old hymn, paid it all, all to him. I owe sin and left crimson stain, but he watched it white as snow. Let me give you number four. He forgives us knowing that we'll sin again. (laughs) And sometimes we'll sin again in the very same way. Before I woke up this morning, you think God knew how I would sin today? I'm just trying to think. I won't tell you if I can think of it. I'm just trying to think how I've sinned today. 
Yeah, I've got one. And here's the thing, God knew it before I did it. And I, I, my sin today is, is a sin that I sin <laughs> more than once. Um, you know, had to do with somebody else. And I'll probably do it again. I don't want to do it again. Maybe I won't. But I probably will. And just a few moments ago in our confession time of our private prayer, I confessed it. And I may have to do it again next Wednesday night. But here's the thing. I don't want to. I'm not telling you that I have a license to sin. It's not that I want to. But I'm saying to you that God is faithful and just, Scripture says, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And He does it over and over and over again. Do you hear people these days, and it's kind of been in our vocabulary for a few years now, a lot of people will talk about being done. You ever hear that? I am done with this. Or I am done with him. I am done with her. Boy, aren't we thankful that God's not done with us. That's how he forgives us. In Christ, the last thing I would mention is that He forgives us without a probation. I mean by that, God forgives us unconditionally. He just forgives. You know, He doesn't attach something to His forgiveness to make sure that we, we know what we're getting and that we process all that. He forgives us unconditionally. So let me ask you the big question. What does it really mean to forgive? What does it mean for you to forgive me and for me to forgive you? Any thoughts? Well, a lot of people have said forgiveness is forgetfulness. You're not really forgiving someone until you've forgotten whatever he or she did. Is that truly forgiveness? I would say to you it's not because there are people in my life right now that I actually like being around that hurt me badly at one point or another. And you know what? I can still remember. I can still remember what they said, what they did. I can remember those things. There are things that people can do to you that you, frankly, will never, ever forget. Isn't that just true? So forgiveness can't really be forgetfulness. But here's what we mean when we say forgiving is forgetting. It's releasing. It's eliminating the debt it means not that I forget everything that's happened badly or negatively in my life, but I choose to release this person. I choose not to hold the memory of the event against this person. 
That's what it means. I like a definition. I've studied a lot from an organization called Peacemakers. Uh, Peacemakers, I'm a certified, I'm certified about a lot of things. (laughs) But believe it or not, I, I am a certified conflict manager. I've, I, in my former position, I had to do a lot of it because thankfully that's not the situation here at Bible Baptist Church and you can feel that and sense it when we're together as a church family. But there's a lot of churches that don't get along. And I've had to referee my fair share of fights. I mean, seriously, to the degree that I had to get a certification to manage conflict. And so the Peacemaker organization is where I received a lot of training. And the Peacemakers give a really good definition of forgiveness. And I want to offer it to you tonight. They say this, Forgiveness is a decision modeled after God's forgiveness of us. A decision to transfer the debts created by others to God's repayment plan, which frees us up to stop trying to collect on that debt. It's pretty good. It's modeled after God's forgiveness of us. And it's when we make a decision to release someone from their debts. That's why Jesus taught us to pray like this. Lord, forgive us of our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. You know, if someone has wronged you and they have done so sinfully, you can leave that to the Lord. You can say, Lord, no longer... Am I going to try to collect this debt? I'm transferring it to you, and I'm going to choose to forgive. So, Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. It's four promises. Number one, I promise that I'm not going to dwell on the incident. If you're dwelling on an incident in your life, you're paying the penalty for it. Now, I want you to understand, this this is not a statement about justice. Sometimes justice has to be sought. Sometimes you have to work through processes. But you can do that without becoming bitter about it. And so it's, it's a promise not to dwell on the incident. Number two, it's a promise that if I'm going to forgive you, I'm not going to bring it up to you over and over. I'm not going to use it against you. Number three, it's a promise that I'm not going to talk to others about this incident. If I've released it, I've released it. So I'm not going to keep bringing it up to you. I'm not going to talk to others about it. And then number four, it's a promise that I am not going to allow this incident to stand between us or hinder our further relationship. It's it's released. It's over. 
I'm surrendering it, and we'll move forward. Now, having said that, I want to say this. There are some people in life that you cannot get along with. And Scripture says, as much as it depends on you, live in peace with all people. It's not an exhaustive list, but there's a list of a few people that I've known in my life. For for me, to live in peace with those people is to leave those people alone. And so sometimes, my friend, it's unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. And you can, here's what I want you to know, you can forgive someone, but make that conscious decision. You know what? If I run into him or her, I'm going to be kind. But we can't walk together through life anymore. Sometimes that's the way you have to be at peace with people. And I want you to know you can forgive and not harbor that debt while at the same time you say, you know, if it depends on me, I'm going to have to let him or her go his or her way and do my thing. Sometimes that's the best you can do. Lord, forgive us our debts. Forgive us for where we've wronged you and help us do that with the people that are in debt to us. Forrest Gump says, that's all I got to say about that.